Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, county leadership is at odds again, this time over the fate of the juvenile detention facility in the East End. The new COVID boosters are allegedly available, but good luck finding one and getting it covered by your insurer here in Pittsburgh. And Banned Books Week kicks off this weekend. We've got ways to celebrate, plus how all those book bans have been affecting us here in Pennsylvania. It's September 29th, the Friday News Roundup. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with CityCast producer Sophia Lowe. Good morning. Hey. And Mallory Falk. How you doing? Hey, good morning. Everybody's in their closets this morning. Uh, I want to kick us off with another Schumann fight. The county executive only has, what, four more months in office, and he and county council are squabbling in court again. Yeah, and I guess, I don't know, maybe it's not that surprising that he's using his last few months in office to battle it out over Schumann. Yeah, in case you missed it, county council voted this week to sue the county executive, Rich Fitzgerald, because he's moving forward with a contract with a nearby nonprofit to run Schumann. It's the Juvenile Detention Center in Lincoln Lemington, Belmar, that was closed in 2021 over safety violations. As of this recording, they have not yet filed those lawsuits, but they voted to. Yeah, this private group, they're called Adelphi. I've also heard to them referred to as Adelphoi. Um, but according to their website, they're a nonprofit social services provider uh, based in Latrobe. So does this mean Schumann will be open next year with Adelphi running the place? That's how council characterized it. Um, but the county says, quote, Adelphi is not using the facility. The courts are. They're just doing the management, which is sort of a weird way to distinguish it, I think. Um, and part of why council vote was split. Some members say that this isn't something they need to weigh in on. But a majority thought that they very much do need to weigh in on it. Um, they voted to sue the county executive because they say that he overstepped in approving this contract without their consent and that that violates the county charter. Okay, so this back and forth between county council and the county executive sounds kind of familiar. Isn't there also another lawsuit floating around about minimum wage? Is that one filed? Yeah. And Megan, can you remind us, uh, you know, for folks who haven't been paying close attention, like who sued who on that one? <laughs> yeah, it did get filed. Um, so that time it was the other way around. County executive Rich Fitzgerald sued council for passing an increase to the local minimum wage. And he cited the same reasoning then that council overstepped and violated the charter. I kind of think all of this is political theater, but it's interesting to follow. <laughs> right, right. Um, so that would have upped the minimum wage from $15 to $20 eventually. And that was for county workers, right? Yeah, just county workers, yeah, not yeah. everyone who lives in the county. Gosh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it was a dream. (laughs) It was in increments, um, but $20 by 2026, um, which, I mean, if you remember the argument about it, Rich said that he supported upping the minimum wage, too. He just didn't want counsel to be the ones to do it. So that lawsuit is still in the courts. Okay, so in the meantime, I know that like part of getting Schumann up and running is actually renovating it to be able to house uh, children again. Mm-hmm. Um, so does this mean that like we as taxpayers are paying to renovate Schumann or at least a portion of it for someone to use? Possibly. The finances of all this are kind of murky. Um, the Pittsburgh Institute for Nonprofit Journalism and the Pittsburgh Independent have been partnering on some really great reporting on this. They dug up contracts and talked to the state. Um, they know that the county has gotten at least $21 million from the state since last year to put towards these renovations, um, which eventually would take um, the building itself is 120 beds at its max. But this would put it down to 60 when all of the work is done, which the bids are done on and they want the work to be done around the clock. That's how it was phrased, like weekends, nights, the whole nine. Um, The building itself was built in 1974. So updating it is overdue if we're going to keep it. Um, But in their same story, uh, reporters found contracts showing the county planned to sell the facility outright to Adelphi, which is not how council talked about it earlier this week. That was just about being a vendor, sort of like not owning it. And I read in their reporting that the contract with Adelphi um, is valued at like more than $73 million over five years, which it's not a small amount of money. Substantial. Yeah. Yeah. The president judge says that it's not going to be like a cash for kids thing, like explicitly said, which is this huge scandal. You can Google. It's got its own Wikipedia page um, from 10 years ago in Luzerne County. Yeah. Where judges were getting kickbacks for sending kids to for profit detention facilities. Right. Um, But, you know, reporters are staying on it. So hopefully we're going to find out more. Yeah. So then what happens now? I guess counsel can sue or maybe they won't. I don't know. I guess we get to wait and see if they file. Yeah. And I mean, Megan, like you said, Rich Fitzgerald is only in office for a few more months. This really is kind of how he's closing out his term. Uh, The election to replace him is coming up in November. And both candidates, Democrat Sarah Inamorato and Republican Joe Rocky, both say that they will at least attend jail oversight board meetings, which is more than Rich has managed in recent years. Um, And I do think that's important to say, like it is relevant here because since Schumann closed, kids facing charges haven't had anywhere to be held. So they're either going home with ankle monitors, getting sent out of state to other juvenile detention centers. There's one in Ohio or they're getting housed at the AJC, the Allegheny County Jail, where they're allegedly separate from adults. But like that is such a different environment to put a child in. All of that sounds really scary for children. Yeah, I'm sure there's an age difference and like it depends on what the offense is, right? But we know that at least 80 kids as of, you know, just in the last few weeks are on electronic monitoring at home and 23 children are at the Allegheny County Jail, according to its inmate dashboard. Something else that I think is kind of interesting is that both of the candidates who are running to replace Fitzgerald have said that they do not support a plan to have a private contractor come in and run this facility. Um, So it's also just kind of striking to me that, uh, you know, our current county executives trying to get this done before he leaves office when neither of his successors, regardless of who wins, um, at least publicly say they support this plan. 
Yeah. And his administration has been working pretty closely with the Democrats, Sarah, because, you know, I mean, obviously he's a Democrat. She's a Democrat. That's kind of what they want the succession plan to be. And also the work is scheduled to be complete, like all those renovations by December 31st, which is Rich's last day in office. I think that was by design. So there's obviously a lot going on here. And a lot of problems with incarcerating children generally, but also a lot of problems with not having anywhere to keep kids safely that is not an adult jail. And um, we're planning to talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So Mallory, why is it so hard to get the COVID booster in Pittsburgh? Please explain it to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that a couple weeks ago on the show, we were talking about how this new booster got approved. It was coming to Pittsburgh. It was time to get boosted. We were so excited. <laughs> I yeah. know. And it seems like maybe that was a little premature because... I mean, based on how you just set this up, Megan, I'm assuming it's been as much of a struggle for you as it has for me to try to find somewhere that has the vaccine and that will actually take my insurance to cover it. It's huge. I don't understand why it's such a problem. Um, I keep seeing people post on social media about how their appointments have been canceled or they didn't know that they like did, couldn't get it if they went or that there was an insurance issue. Sophia, I, I, oh, I hope I'm not putting you on blast. I overheard you in the office yesterday trying to figure yours out. Yeah, it was really, really difficult. So I had an appointment at CVS. Uh, my partner and I booked vaccine appointments at the same time. And then I got a text that it was canceled and he didn't. Um, so then we had to call them. We found out that CVS didn't have the booster in stock anymore. Um, so then we went ahead and made appointments at Walgreens. But then both of us called our insurance companies, found out that we couldn't get uh, the booster at Walgreens and have it covered by our insurance. So now we're both on our third appointment at Rite Aid, and hopefully that all goes smoothly. Sophia, I went through the exact same trajectory that you did. Started with CVS, got a text that that was canceled, switched over to Walgreens, learned it wasn't covered. And fingers crossed tonight, I will be strolling into my neighborhood Rite Aid and hopefully getting this vaccine for real. 
My fingers are crossed for both of you. Um, mine's a little bit different. I hadn't even tried to get it for myself yet. I got my flu shot and um, AHN said, oh, we don't have the booster yet. Check back in a few weeks. It's on my list. But in the meantime, I took my son for his checkup at Kids Plus and I was asking about a booster for him um, because he's eligible now based on age and weight and all that. Um, and they were like, yeah, uh, good luck because they had, I guess, a clinic scheduled in Squirrel Hill where they were going to help families and they had to cancel it because of insurance problems. Not that they can't get it, but that it's not covered for families. Like, what is going on with this? So, yeah, I did a little research. It turns out this is not unique to Pittsburgh, that nationwide this booster rollout has been a bit of a mess. Um, And there are a few different reasons for this, but they're all connected to the fact that, like, for the first time, the federal government is not the one that's buying vaccines and distributing them for free. This is now on insurance companies. And so this year, pharmacies have to buy the vaccines from suppliers. Um, I was reading a story on NPR where one health and policy expert said basically like this is the first year the COVID vaccines being commercialized. And so that's leading both to a lack of supply, like, you know, Sophia, what you and I experienced with CVS, where pharmacies are scheduling appointments, but then they run out of the vaccine or they don't have it in stock and have to cancel. Um And then also these issues with insurance companies, where this is the first time they're supposed to be covering the cost of vaccines as preventative medicine. But some of these companies haven't updated their billing codes, haven't updated their systems. And this is so frustrating. It's not like we don't know that this is a problem. Our healthcare system is infuriating to deal with. Right. And it's I think what it is, is that up until this moment, because vaccines were distributed by the federal government, they weren't part of the just like everyday horrendousness of trying to get anything done through your insurance company. But now they're in that category. But to your point about we knew this was coming, um, the administrator with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services sent a letter to insurers back in July saying, you know, we've got this booster that's going to be coming out. Make sure to update your systems by like mid to late September so that everything's ready once these vaccines are in pharmacies. And so there was a runway for this. It It's mind boggling that it's catching people off guard. How should people proceed now? Do they just have to make a bunch of phone calls like we did? Yeah, I mean, I think annoyingly, it seems like at least for right now, the onus is kind of on us to figure things out. I should say like like, everything else to do with the healthcare system. Exactly. So, I mean, if the reports are to be believed, it seems like maybe in a couple of weeks, things are going to get better. This will all get smoothed out. Insurance companies are going to update their billing codes. Again, not sure why that didn't happen before the vaccine hit the shelves. But right. um, and pharmacies are going to get more uh, vaccines in stock. So mm. hopefully like this isn't going to be an issue for much longer. But in the meantime, yeah, I would definitely suggest first calling your insurance company and confirming like both that they're going to cover the booster and then confirming where you can get one because Right. In the past, you could just kind of go into any pharmacy and now you've got to find a place that's in network that your insurance covers, which is why for me, like Walgreens was out. I just learned. And I'm seeing people post about how it's like two hundred dollars out of pocket. Like this is not a small amount of money. Two hundred dollars out of pocket. And then some people who have been willing to pay that, which they shouldn't have to, have also been told, no, you can't pay out of pocket. Your insurer won't allow it. So there's people who some people are being charged out of pocket and then others are just being denied them outright, regardless of whether or not they offer to pay. Wow. 
But one thing an expert told NPR, we'll link to the story in the show notes, is that um, if no pharmacy in your plans network has the vaccine, insurers are supposed to cover it even if it's out of network. I think this is probably less of an issue in Pittsburgh where there's like a, a, multi, a number of different providers. This might be if you live somewhere where there's, you know, only one pharmacy in town. But so it's important to know that you're entitled to that. Um, but then, you know, once you make your appointment, I would also just recommend calling the pharmacy the day of to confirm that they actually have the vaccine in stock because like Sophia's story illustrates, you can't necessarily count on getting that cancellation message yeah. um, if it is, in fact, canceled. All of this really kind of feels like cold comfort. Like, it just feels like being betrayed once again by the American healthcare system. Yeah, um, there was a quote in The Washington Post that I thought just like perfectly captures what I'm feeling and what I'm sure a lot of people are feeling right now. Uh, this was from someone in Miami whose insurer told him, the vaccine isn't covered um, when, in fact, it is. Um, and he said, what kind of country that's circling the drain am I living in where after years of this public health emergency, I can't get something as basic as a vaccine in one of the larger cities in the country? Yep. Co-signed. <laughs> but, Sophia, I think you have some like positive news for us to close to close out this subject. A little bit. Um, so last time we talked about the booster, we also mentioned it was really difficult to find free COVID tests. Um, but earlier this week, the U.S. government started sending out free COVID tests again. So you can request them for your household and each U.S. household is able to receive four free tests and those will be sent to your door. Um, but that's also not a ton of tests. So so if you get if you can't get the booster and you get COVID, you can at least find out before you infect a bunch of other people. Sweet. <laughs> and heads up, I also noticed at my local Costco that you can get five tests for like 25 bucks, which is nobody should have to pay for a COVID test full stop. But if you do and you're a Costco member like I am, then you can at least find them there. And one last thing I do want to say is even though we are venting about this and even though it is incredibly frustrating that this is how vaccines are working right now, um, you know, I was still able to get my appointment. Like I said, this is supposed to get better in the next couple of weeks. So I really don't want this segment to discourage anybody to, to just kind of throw up their hands and say this is too challenging because it is super important to get boosted. And so... Hopefully it just becomes less taxing. Yeah, we're annoyed, but we still encourage it. Please get the vaccine. Yes. <laughs> Sophia, you want to close us out with some more good news, bad news? Yeah. So good news, bad news is that Banned Books Week is next week, uh, runs from October 1st to 7th. And the theme this year is Let Freedom Read. So there's all sorts of Wait, program. read? Like R-E-A-D? Yes. Let Freedom Read. That's so cute. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Ben Books Week has been around since 1982. That's longer than I expected, actually. And uh, someone named Judith Krug started this program. She was the director of the American Library Association's Office for Intellectual Freedom. And I actually learned that she's from Pittsburgh yesterday. I don't know what it says about us that we're the, the birthplace of something like this. I don't know. I feel like I feel like this taps into our legacy of being a very library forged city, you know, the, the birthplace of the Carnegie Library System. OK, fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where Judith Krug started this program um, because I also know she left Pittsburgh, but it's really cool that we have this connection to Banned Books Week. I'm always intrigued by banned 
books week because like I remember when we were kids, like the way people would talk about it just kind of felt, I don't know, not very relevant. Like the titles that were on the list, like just weren't they were all old books about things that like I didn't really fully understand or have the vocabulary for. Not anymore. Like, sadly, there's actually a lot of really great titles now suddenly on banned book list. Yeah, it's also really upsetting because I know that a lot of these books that are on these banned books lists are either written by or feature uh, people of color or people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. And those are definitely things that shouldn't be censored or restricted at all. Completely agree. And I don't think we've had a ton of book bans on this side of the state, but I know it's been a huge issue on the other side. Mallory, you and a colleague were reporting a ton on this before you joined CityCast. I'm still very grateful that you came in the middle of that reporting. Yeah, yeah. So back when I was a reporter with uh, WHYY in Philly, um, I did a deep dive on an attempted book ban in central the Central York School District. Um, it's one that got some national attention because the ban was massive, like hundreds of books and resources. It was very sweeping. So it included things like a children's book about Rosa Parks. Um, And because there, the students actually fought back and got it overturned. And then um, my colleague at the time, Emily Rizzo, did a deep dive on how a book ban took hold in the third largest school district in Pennsylvania, Central Bucks, which is outside Philly, and how that was a district that didn't really seem ripe for this kind of censorship since it's relatively diverse um, and not in a particularly conservative part of the state. And I think that's the reporting that that made it seem like, okay, even though here in the Pittsburgh region, we haven't seen book bans take off to the same degree, like it's something to be alert to, because if it could happen there, um, there's a lot of unexpected places it could happen. Yeah, so not quite as many book bans around this region. I saw that the Norwin School Board blocked an attempt at banning books earlier this year. Yeah, and I found an instance in Hempfield, but it was about a book ban being brought. I couldn't find a follow-up story that actually said what happened, if the ban was enforced or not. So even though there's not a ton of book bans on this side of the state, I guess it's happening enough uh, in other parts of Pennsylvania, because I think I remember reading somewhere that we were ranked third last year for the sheer number of proposed book bans across the nation. Yeah, although digging deeper into that data, a lot of that was because of that ban in Central York that I mentioned, because there were so many books on that list. Um, It was really that one single district that landed us in the number three position. That's good news. Yeah, Um But it does seem like we are one of the states where there is like a more organized, coordinated push for book bans. Um, I was looking at the latest report from PEN America, which tracks, you know, attempted book bans and successful book bans across the country. Um, And it found that 75 percent of reported book bans in the last school year were connected to organized efforts, like mainly from advocacy groups, elected officials or actual legislation. And uh, Moms for Liberty, that, that group that, you know, promotes itself as a parental rights group and advocates for book bans. Which has um, also been called an extremist group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yep, that one. Um, it's the most influential. Um, according to this report, it was connected to 170 bans in six districts um, across North Dakota, South Carolina, Florida and Pennsylvania. That Washington Post story goes into big detail about how they're enacting those bans, too. We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. So that's definitely something that is, you know, happening. It seems like more so in our state than in a lot of others. Yeah. And in response to all of this, a Democratic senator, Amanda Capaletti, uh, she represents Delaware and Montgomery counties, proposed legislation to 
ban book bans at libraries and public schools. Ban the bans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Illinois passed something like this earlier this year. And like in Illinois, this bill here in Pennsylvania would require libraries to adopt the American Library Association's Library Bill of Rights. So what all that means is that books can't be banned because of, quote, partisan and doctrinal disapproval. And uh, this means that libraries would also need to write something up that says they can't ban any books. So if uh, libraries ignore these guidelines, they wouldn't get any state funding. Wow. That's more sweeping than I would have expected. Is there any momentum for that from other lawmakers? Yeah, this is where maybe some of that bad news comes in. So Jackson Mm. White from Lancaster Online reported that uh, Republican Senator Ryan Ahmet did not think that a Republican-led Senate would pass this bill. Ahmet also told Lancaster Online that uh, he isn't in support of book bans, but he thinks that school boards should be able to make their own decisions. Uh, so he reintroduced a bill that would have schools, quote, identify sexually explicit content in school curriculum, materials, and books. Oh, my God. Yeah. So schools would have to reach out to parents and then parents would have to opt in for their children to read these books and access any of this media. Heavy sigh. Uh, Sophia, any ways to mark Banned Books Week here in Pittsburgh? Yeah, there is generally a lot of programming around Banned Books Week. and Librarians uh, love a good party. <laughs> yeah, and there's an event at the Carnegie Library at the main library in Oakland. Uh, you can also watch this online with registration. So this is on October 7th at 10.30 a.m., 30 books in 30 minutes, and staff members at the library will be sharing some of their favorite band books. So if you want any book recommendations, uh, definitely something to check out. And make sure and check in with your favorite bookstores if you have kids with their schools. Um, There's always programming around banned books, and lots of folks in the community are probably really excited to celebrate this. So make sure you check in. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our music is by Benji. Our production team this week included Lizzie Goldsmith, Elizabeth Kama, and A.K. Almuman, plus our always wonderful Sophia Lowe and our fearless leader, Mallory Falk. Francesca DeBecco writes our newsletter with help this week from Natalia Aldana, and I'm your host, Megan Harris. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend, everyone. Sophia, you got big Friday energy right now. <laughs> I just figured I wouldn't like breathe into the microphone or something. <laughs>